What's up, coaches? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance agency that specializes in securing lower rates for health conscious people, including strength trainers, runners, and cyclists, among others. Just like saving money on car insurance for being a good driver, Health IQ believes you should save on your life insurance for living a healthy lifestyle. This is the reason that 56% of Health IQ customers save between 4 and 33% on their life insurance. These savings are exclusive to Health IQ. The reason they are able to save their customers up to 33% is because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease and a 20% lower risk of cancer compared to the people that are inactive. To qualify for these rates, head to healthiq.com slash run the power and take their health, cycling, or running IQ quiz. Or if you're like me and work out using an app, you can submit that certified app's data to Health IQ to qualify. Once you qualify, Health IQ doesn't just send your offer to an insurer. They take you through the journey from when you submit interest to starting your application and going through underwriting and policy enforced. Policy is underwritten by one of their top partners, an insurer. Coaches, go to healthiq.com slash run the power to qualify to save up to 33% on your life insurance. Again, that's healthiq.com slash run the power to take your free quiz to qualify for up to 33% savings on your life insurance with Health IQ. This episode is also sponsored by Amazon's audiobook platform, Audible. Audible is a monthly subscription for audiobooks. They've worked with us and are giving you coaches one month of their subscription site and an audiobook of your choice absolutely free. All you got to do is go to rtpbook.com and sign up for Audible. They'll give you an audiobook and a free month subscription upon sign up. You can cancel at any time before paying a dollar and still keep the audiobook as a gift from them. Audible has top selling audiobooks that are great for coaches. Right now, I'm listening to Gary Vaynerchuk's Ask Gary and Sam Sheridan's A Fighter's Mind. They're my morning workouts, and they've both been tremendous books so far. It's great for me because when you're a coach, you have very limited time to sit down and read, so you can really multitask with Audible, and it's a great changeup for me from listening to music while I work out. Again, go to rtpbook.com to claim the free audiobook of your choice. Head over to the RTP store. We have two designs as t-shirts, long sleeves, and hoodies. We have our Run the Power and our Will Block for Food designs available. Go get yours today under the store tab at runthepower.com. Now you can run the power in any weather. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Attack Academy. Team Attack Academy is an online football development site for football players and coaches of all levels. It's the most powerful teaching tool introduced into the game today to raise the level of playing and coaching football. After using Team Attack Academy, your athletes and coaches will outplay, outwork, and outsmart their opponents guaranteed. Go check them out at their website, teamattackacademy.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Mark Broyles, current co-offensive line coach and associate run game coordinator at Broken Arrow High School with me. Prior to Broken Arrow, Coach Broyles was an OC DC at Spring Valley High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. Coach Broyles grew up in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and played for his father, Chuck Broyles, at Pittsburgh State University as an offensive lineman. Listen as we talk with Coach Broyles about being a coach's son and playing for his father, being a coordinator on both sides of the ball in Las Vegas, and being a great friend, odds maker, and assistant coach within a program. You can follow Coach Broyles on Twitter at VegasShark72. Hope you guys enjoy. All right. Well, we got Coach Broyles on here. Uh, Coach, we're glad to have you on here. Coach Broyles uh, coaches offensive line at Broken Arrow with me. Um, we share the position. So um, it's good to have you on. We obviously talk every day. And then 
uh, you were also at Broken Arrow when Brady was there, so it's kind of a little bit of a reunion of the of the brain trust. There you go. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> Those are some fun times, man, I'll tell you. I definitely miss them up here. There's no doubt about that. I think I think the best part of it was uh, was when when me and you, Shark, we'd come up with an idea and we'd say, you know, I think I think counter looks really good this week, Brady, and, and Brady'd be like, guys, I think that's a brilliant idea. But but what if we kind of did it like this? And he'd draw it up, and then it would end up being pin and pull the other way, out of a completely yeah, different well, formation. You know, those good leaders, they like to uh, let everybody be heard and make you feel good, and then just kind of do it their own way <laughs> there there was probably some of that most definitely it's one of the nice things well, about being in charge but uh, i will say this you guys did make it easy on me because honestly you guys did have a lot of great ideas and maybe then it would spur on something else yeah well at the end of the day you know it's it's i guess it's your name as the oc that's on all of it so you got to feel comfortable with it as I say, that's always kind of the hard part about having to kind of, you know, walk that line with guys too, because I know early on in my career as, as an OC, and you know, you guys probably still saw some of it. I mean, you're, you're kind of used to, to doing your own thing and you maybe weren't very good at managing people. I hope I got a little bit better at that, you know, trying to, to delegate things and, and dish things out. But I mean, it's, it's always kind of a delicate thing. You know, what, what are you comfortable calling? And then, you know, am I still taking the input from the guys that, that are working underneath me to make sure that they feel like they're growing, they have a role, you know, they're, they're important. So there's always one of the things you're conscious of, but, you know, it gets to be tough sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, you've got to be the expert of it. So, so once you, if you start taking too many ideas from too many places, you know, you kind of lose maybe uh maybe you're not the expert of it anymore and someone else is and it makes it kind of hard to call the plays and get a rhythm i think well that's that was one of the things that was nice about that year and it was nice again about this year shark is as you can you could tell by by how quiet the headsets were when we had when we have jay this year and and like when we had brady i mean me and you weren't doing a whole lot of talking we were doing a lot of listening and um you know that was because you trust those guys to, to get us in the right position and make the right calls, and, and you don't want to be a bother on the headphones, really. That's exactly right. You know, if, if probably don't have a better idea than those two anyways, so you just try to keep the flow going and, and you know, be a good assistant coach. And that was one thing about Brady, as you could always tell, you know, he was trying to go almost out of his way to ask us when, when you knew he knew what he wanted to do, but uh, he, he'd ask anyways. and. Um, you'd have some guys that didn't really have a feel for it, and they'd try to give them an answer. Um, and maybe you wouldn't use it. Uh, and I think that me and you did a pretty good job of just kind of letting him ask the question, letting there be radio silence, and letting him go with, with what he knew was going to work anyways. Yeah. I'm sure that that's the, uh, the most quiet the heads have ever been in, a, in an important part, and Brady's going, anybody got any suggestions? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> Kind of look at each other and maybe act like your headset's on mute or you're hoping someone else is going to say something. 
That, those uh, say those are always kind of the the weird situations. I mean, in that Harper had brought up the one time where I think you know what do we want? And I wanted to call I think delay a game right. And I think I, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to call uh, false start left. Was a couple times you get a little frustrated yeah. on the phones. The, the other one that would always get me too is I mean you you you'd say the play twice and you know Holt or somebody was was coaching a guy up or didn't hear you know hey what's the call again you know and that's when I'd kind of lose it a couple times too but <laughs> I. Honestly, I mean, you, you guys, you said it, Shark. I mean, the guys, when, when you guys are quiet on the phones like that, I mean, it's great for a play caller because you don't have that excess chatter and you can, you can really think about it because, honestly, the, the times we, we need to be talking need to be, you know, in between series. And I always thought that was nice. You know, you guys would go coach your guys and you'd be listening to whatever and then we could always come back and maybe we'd have a plan of attack. Like, hey, do you guys still like this? you guys not like this? And there's always one or two adjustments. I think that, that were really important in my mind, you know, Hey, here's kind of what I'm seeing upstairs. Are you guys hearing and seeing the same thing down there? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, especially the, uh, run game guys like Rowdy and I, uh, we're not ever offering up four verts, you know, four <laughs> verts is open. So. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've heard that. <laughs> Yeah, I say that's what the thing I like about being able to at least talk to the to the run game guys. You know, it's can can we handle these guys? What, what's a better call? You know, can we handle this guy in protection? Do we need to slide it another way? You know, that's why it's always kind of those are the first guys you 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 ask because if you ask the receiver coach, he's like, oh yeah, everything's open. You know, <laughs> my guy, my guys are open, man. You you can throw it to my guys anytime. When I'm like, uh, yeah, we got 1.2 seconds to throw. That ain't gonna happen, dude. <laughs> Oh, you mean we got to protect? So, I mean, you're the guys that, that honestly the play caller needs to be able to interact with and talk with. Well, I still remember – I remember the, the one and only time that year that I, I gave up a suggestion and Brady used it, and I think I ruined the perfect game uh, for us. It was, in, it was in the jinx game, and Brady was on a roll, and I was, I was getting into it, and it was fourth and one. So, yeah, I run power again out of 22, and we got stopped. I think that was the only suggestion I made all year, and I think I pretty, we won the game, but I'm pretty sure I ruined a perfect game. Yeah, I think that uh, you wanted to run it, and I think the jinx was kind of waiting for us to run it on that down. <laughs> probably, probably to the left too. Twenty-seven. Yeah, yep, right behind, right behind our three hundred and forty-pound left tackle. It was usually a pretty good call. Yeah, yeah. pretty efficient. I don't know. I'd say, you know, that's, again, one of those things. You know, if, if you're going to get beat on fourth and one, you may as well get beat running your best play. So, you know. Play by your best play. That's right. And we'd, and we'd already, you know, kind of used up our, our two play actions we'd run off of that earlier. So, we, I guess we were kind of running out of plays. We had to go back to the old original. So, it would have been something to maybe call jump pass two times in one game. <clears throat> yeah, who knows? Well, Coach Broyles, um, you know, a lot that I've learned from you is is how to, like you said, interact with offensive coordinators, defense coordinators on the headphones at practice and uh, in, in meeting rooms on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, and I think that probably stems a little bit from you being an offensive coordinator, you being a defensive coordinator and going through that yourself. Um, you talk a little bit about that. I mean, kind of, you know, you went went out to Vegas to coach and, and you ended up being, you know, coordinator on both sides. And kind of how that happened or some of the things that you learned from that and, and the difference between that and now being um, just a position coach. 
Yeah. Well, you know, in Vegas, um, it seems like here there's there's always quite a bit of a turnaround in the coaches. You know, out there, your people all got second jobs. A lot of coaches are lay coaches, and I think I just kind of outlasted everybody. You know, I started out as the offensive line coach. You know, and then the first offense corner would leave, and head coach, hey, bros, you want to do it? No, I don't. You know, I don't want to call plays. I don't want to do it. And finally, you get to the point where you look around, and you go, well, I think I'm the most qualified right now by by attrition. Everybody else is gone. So that was kind of how I got into calling the offense. Um, I only got to do it one year and probably wasn't very good at it, but I got to do what I wanted. And, you know, I think that's the best way to kind of, kind of learn, you know, you figure out what you want to do and do it and you go, well, it either worked or it didn't work. And you kind of learn and go on from that. So that was kind of my, my, uh, way of doing it as the offensive coordinator. I, uh, had a, another coach that wanted to be the pass game coordinator. So, you know, on third and 15, I'd ask him a question. If he didn't answer quick enough that we would just run, you know, inside zone or something. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's how I kind of got to call offense the first year. And, and, you know, I'd mentioned earlier about, you know, you have to be the expert on it. That was just, maybe that's just me just making myself, you know, more confident, you know, running what I know, not getting out of my comfort zone. But uh, so, you know, you learn a lot from being in charge and, and and listening to your guys and making sure they're heard, you know, and like uh, Jay gave us new titles, make you feel special, right? That's so. right. Associate <laughs> run game coordinators. That's what we are run game coordinators and and i'm even the uh i think i'm the assistant to the assistant coach of the year so that's a pretty good title <laughs> i think so rowdy's got rowdy's got all the titles and uh does a good job so i do i, I got but, i got a lot of titles it makes me feel um makes me start wondering am i am i uh you know asking a little bit too much i must be asking for the most titles if i'm getting all the titles that don't mean anything that's right. There's plenty to go around, I guess. I was going to say, with those titles, I mean, what what are some of the extra responsibilities you're having to do? Because I know I know you ain't getting paid anymore. No, they're all they're all made up titles. They're just stuff that that you know you get bored throughout the uh, throughout the year, and so um, you go a little stir crazy. And so um, we're obviously you know it, but we're blessed enough to have an upstairs and a downstairs to our weight room. And so uh, when we go upstairs. I'm one of the only, you know, one of the ones that Coach Ellett, I think, you know, what Shark always, which Coach Broyles, um, which, you know, for everyone else, we call him Shark. So you hear me say Shark, that's Coach Broyles. But um, Shark always says it's just because you're the, because I'm the biggest. So I think Coach Ellett looks around, he finds the biggest coach and says, Coach Harper, go up there and run this, this, and this. And so, um, you know, I started running a bunch of that stuff and you go a little stir crazy. And so I started saying, oh, I'm the, uh, um, administrative level auxiliary coordinator so all that means <laughs> right. is, all that means is that's where the administration uh, are upstairs where we work out at the administration's up there so that's administrative level and then 
um, it's always auxiliary lifts. So you're in charge of the auxiliary lifts. Okay, I get it now. So that and now it makes perfect sense. <laughs> That's right. So I kind of made that out of that. Um, most of the year, I was um, I would unlock the sophomore locker room and watch them. Me and Shark would, and so we're trying to come up with names for that. Uh, you know, obviously we help with laundry, so it's another thing that you know all the coach every coach does. It's not necessarily I'm having more responsibilities. It's just I'm doing it. You know, we're doing stuff, and so you get a little stir crazy. And, and when you got a bunch of guys that you enjoy being around, you start joking around with them. And then um, we were in the office right. one day and we're talking about, I forget what college, but they had like six different court offensive coordinators. It seemed like they had, I think it was te- probably to be Texas. It might've been because it was, they had an offensive coordinator and like an assistant offensive coordinator and two associate run game coordinators. And then like a short game and a long game pass coordinator. <laughs> so me and coach Broyles figured it was it was kind of uh it was our time to be named associate run game coordinators right I think it became Twitter official last night for you didn't it or was that the it, night before it did it, it was it, it was last night and I, I believe I believe shark you said it was officially official officially so that official. makes yeah that makes it that makes it set in stone and then you, you guys right. actually you guys actually inspired me because you know moving up here I had to you know kind of take a demotion, so I've just been a lowly receivers coach. Well, I'd I'd never seen an RPO coordinator before, so I last night I, I actually it was it, I made it official. I texted our offensive coordinator, and he said I could have the title of RPO coordinator. So now I'm known as RPOC. <laughs> RPOC, there you go. Yep, I'm RPOC, the first RPO coordinator in America. But well, got to start somewhere. <laughs> but that that's the great thing about having a a really good offensive coordinator that's that's um you know like you Brady or like like Jay that is really confident in what they do and, and are low ego guys that um even though it's a joke you know Jay has no problem calling us whatever we want to be called right and and you would you would do the right. same thing Brady but it's it's nice and it's it's a breath of fresh air when when me and Coach Broyles get to to work for an offensive coordinator that is very confident in what they're doing and has a low ego, I think because they are so confident in in who they are and how how much they know or how good they are at at coaching their position. Well, I, yeah, I think that's a good point on that. I I think you know along with that, you know, it it it's part of you know whatever your guys' goals are are too. You know, there's there's guys that want to go on and be head coaches or be coordinators, you know, let, let those guys have those titles. I know the, the first year I was at Broken Arrow, you know, David said, Hey, you're, you're going to be the play caller, but I'm going to have Jake Corbin have the title of offensive coordinator because he wanted to be a head coach. So I'm like, dude, that's right. awesome. I'll, I'll take the assistant head coach title. He can have the OC one. And it, and it's, you know, helped him out a lot. He's gone on to be a head coach. So, I mean, you know, same same thing with Holt, letting him get, you know, special teams coordinator and letting him kind of work with us in the run game as a running backs guy. So, I mean, whatever you can do to help those guys out, you know, whatever I could do to help you guys out if you guys had those goals, to me, that's that's your whole job as a coordinator. You know, put your kids in successful positions and then ultimately put your coaches in successful positions as well. Well, yeah, that's right. Well, one of the things, Coach Broyles, I think is, is that you've hit on and I'd kind of like to talk about a little bit more, not to – to toot our own horn, but it's kind of something that I learned from you, and it, it's pretty crazy to me that we've done, to me, such a pretty pretty good job at doing it. But 
Uh, you talk about being an expert and all having the same, the same voice, right? So we're two separate guys, one that, uh, one that went to Houston and, and went in through the air raid system and you that played at Pitt State while you guys were still running, um, you know, two-back veer or, or split-back veer. And, and, you know, you went your ways through coaching in, in Las Vegas and I came up as a young guy and we coached the same position. We're both coaching offensive line, but, but we've worked together long enough and we've put in the hours that now – when we're speaking, we're speaking the same language to the kids. And that's something that we've, that we've had to work on. But I think it's something that's really crucial and something that I stole from you that I've, I've tried to work, work at, um, you know, consciously work at as, as us both coming to the kids in the same, uh, in the same language with, with a low ego of ourselves and putting our offensive line, you know, ahead of anything else. And then also, um, uh, like like Brady said, you know, some guys like to, you know, have big high aspirations and want to move up. But, uh, you know, obviously we would love that at, at some point maybe. But we both seem to be in the same spot where we're both extremely happy with being able to be offensive line coaches at Broken Arrow and and happy with with where we are. And I think that kind of can't help but bleed through to, to what we're doing with the offensive line. Yes. Um... You know, and, and you're talking about speaking the same language. Um, I really feel, you know, this was our our third season together, and it it takes time. You know, even even maybe after after this year, I got really comfortable with. We were all speaking the same language, so it's not something that you just do. You know, it's it's give and take throughout the years, and it just is a, a seamless transition. Exactly right. You know, you can run a drill. You can ask me to run the drill. Kids are hearing the same language, and it's just, you know, more productive that way, speaking a common language. So that is that is something I thought was important. Um, you know, and going back to, to being comfortable, you know, coaching offense line at Broken Air right now is, is, is pretty awesome. We got some – of course, we got a, you know, a great head coach with, with a lot of knowledge about O-line. And uh, we've got some good players, you know, so we're lucky. And it's a, it's a fun time to coach. And, you know, I don't know where else I'd rather be right now than, than doing that, yeah. you know, with you and with the kids we got. And, uh, you know, it just makes it fun. So, and you're exactly right about being happy, you know. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to be – an offense coordinator and defense coordinator and like I've told you know coach Dixon and we've talked and um you before it you ought to be able to do at some point in your time coaching you ought to be able to do whatever you want to do you know I'm sure you've got all ideas in your head on what you think will work but you're not sure because you've never run it you know could you do it and and that was the best part about being a coordinator is is getting to do all that stuff that you really wanted to do and, and see what works and what doesn't. But, uh, but as for now, you're exactly right. I'm, we're got it rolling at BA and it's, it's a good time to be there and coach there. So we're fortunate in that. It, it's obviously, like you said, it's a, it can be difficult and it's taken us three years to get on the same page, same message. So it can be a little bit more difficult when you've got, um, 
you know, two offensive line coaches, but it's crazy what the, the how much of a benefit. I, I know there's only certain amounts of, of um, high schools around the country that can uh, afford to have two offensive line coaches, but if you can, that would be my top priority. It's, it's amazing what we can do as far as with, with drills, what we can do during practice, uh, all the stuff that we can, we can uh, get done you know, with, with, a, with a position that you've got to get a thousand million reps to be good at it. And being able to have two coaches and, and split them up in different ways is, has been, um, I think, crucial in, in what we do at Broken Arrow and being able to run a couple different huddles. Or uh, one day I work with the young kids, you work with the old kids. One day I work the left side, you work with the right side. And, but uh, in Pass Pro that me and Brady have talked about on the, on the podcast before, how important it is to get a lot of reps. I get to work with the tackles. You get to work with the guards. The next day, vice versa. You know, it just allows us to get so many reps that um, it seems like that'd be the way to do it. If anyone around the country gets a chance to do that, that's um, that, that's the way to do it. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Especially, right, if there's no ego involved, and you're talking about speaking the same language and. What's also nice, I know we've talked about it, high school kids get tired of us and we might get tired of them. And, <laughs> you know, you might come yeah. to me and say, hey, you need to go with the uh, tackles today. I'll take the guards and, send, you know, and it's, it's, yep, that's kind of what I was thinking. So, right, you know, that, that's also a positive, among the other things you mentioned. I think it's cool, too. I mean, you know, you, you guys have, have always been, you know, good buddies. You know, even though you guys didn't know each other when you when you guys started, but it's so important for those kids to see that too. You know, I think I think that you know they pick up on it faster than anybody else. If there if there is a contentious relationship on staff, or they they see somebody being negative, I mean, both you guys were always so good at. You know, if you did have a bad day or if something wasn't going right, you guys were able to kind of put that stuff aside, and we could always kind of show the kids that you know we were all unified, we were all going to have a good time together. You know, we, we hung out in the office and things like that. I just I just think when, when kids can see that modeled by their staff, you know, it becomes a much easier job for you guys to, to create a, a culture of, you know, you know, offensive line has to be the most together group there is, you know, and, and you guys are modeling that by the way you guys hang out and you guys coach. That's right. And I, and I think, you know, also both being uh, offensive linemen, you kind of already have a lot in common, right? So makes it easy. <laughs> That's right. I don't think – I think when you're an offensive lineman, you don't it's, – it's hard to find another offensive lineman that you don't like or you don't uh, get along with. It, it's, a weird, it's a weird deal, and I don't really know why it works that way, but it seems to almost always work out that way that for the most part, if you meet another offensive lineman, you're, you're kind of just friends with them uh, off the bat. That's right. <laughs> um, That's well, just pretty cool how that works out. It is. It's really weird. Um, you know, the other thing I think that it's been kind of cool seeing as, as people keep coming on the podcast, but uh, you're another uh, coach's kid, right? So so Brady and I, both coach's kid, we've had plenty of coaches on that um, their, their dads were coaches. I don't know that any of them have, have had a dad that was in um, as high up necessarily as your dad was in one national championship, but um, can you kind of just bring uh, – Take us through what that was like, being able to, and, and how that probably shaped you as a coach, being able to go up to 
practice. And you've told me countless stories about getting to be out at practice and running over there after school was done. And, you know, uh, some of the relationships even that you made as a young kid seeing uh, these larger than life figures at, at Pitt State to you as a young kid and kind of how that shaped you as a coach now. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you always, I think uh, all boys growing up, you know, love and, and respect and idolize their dads. And then, and then to, to think that, whoa, my dad's a football coach. Oh, that's cool. And, you know, and everybody thinks it's cool that you, your dad's a football coach. So especially growing up in a, Pittsburgh is a small town, you know, where the, the university is a, a big part of the town. And, you know, the gorillas are, are very popular in Pittsburgh. So um, I, I couldn't think of anything better, you know, like I'm like you're saying, I, as soon as school's over, I, I'm running over the weed. That's where dad's office was and, and watching practice every day. Um, you know, and, and I think that just seeing that and being around it uh, just solidified. Yep, that's that's what I want to do, you know. Um, and it, it's it's the best way to grow up, I think. You know, I, I've heard you guys tell stories about, you know, Brady, you're talking about your dad, and he'd let you draw up. You'd come to him with plays and church and all that stuff. Yep. And uh, just another great way to, to – bond with your dad um i know i got two two older brothers we we grew up at the facility playing you know being at practice we were equipment managers you know we got to drive around the truck and throw out the bags of course you could stack them up and and run through them and you know (laughs) when when it wasn't when it wasn't football season we were in the weed playing hockey in the hallways you know with all the uh HPER equipment and you know uh, what a great way to grow up as a kid having a dad as a football coach so and even here in Broken Arrow you know Bodie comes home and and he's excited about the Tigers and you know his friends think it's cool that his dad's a football coach so uh, it's it's pretty cool deal all around what was the what what was the story that Chuck Chuck would, would he whistle at you to get you out of the um get you out of the facilities when he was leaving? He would he would walk downstairs, and all he had to do was come down the stairs, turn left, and he'd be going out the hallway to his car. He'd whistle once, and uh, you, you know, between the three of us, someone would hear it, and you you whatever you're doing, you drop and you just head to the car. So, you know, it, you got used to it. He's got the one of the loudest whistles ever. At least, you know, we thought he did growing up. He'd walk out, whistle. You better drop what you're doing and, and get to the car if you want to ride. So, I don't think anybody ever got left, but I'm sure we got uh, scolded for being late once we got there. What were some of the things maybe you took from your, your dad, you know, as you, you got a little bit older, obviously, you know, you played for him. Um, what were some things that he kind of gave you maybe as advice, you know, going into the coaching profession, or was it just kind of stuff that you just kind of absorbed from him over the years? Yeah, I think it was more um, just absorbing things from him, you know, watching how he was at practice, 
you know, I, I never, uh, one thing I always remembered is just, you were never um, unsure about who the head coach was, who, who was in charge, you know, and he'll even tell you, you know, uh, my job is to coach the coaches, you know, so he's coaching the coaches and, and there was never, I've been in situations, you know, before where people could come out and maybe one of the coordinators is a, is a strong figure and you may not know who the coach is. And, uh, I don't think that was ever the case there. So just kind of, you know, how to be a leader, uh, you know, and even as a coordinator coaching your coaches and just, just how he treated players and his own staff, you know, it was just something to, to, to really absorb, like you say, and, I think that he he obviously had a lot of success and and doing things you know the right way and he always would tell you you know um, whatever's best for the school so I those are some of the things I took took away from him um, you know we never really got into X's and O's too much. Um, except for when I was a defensive coordinator, because that's kind of was, you know, he was a defensive coach and he was a defense coordinator. So I think that kind of, kind of, you know, made him perk up a little bit that I was coaching defense and, you know, he would kind of want to know, well, you know, what are you guys doing this week? And that was kind of when we would, uh, you know, talk a little more X's and O's. So um, that's some of the things that, that, that I've taken from him. What was shark? Obviously we can be on here forever talking about different stories, but uh, what my favorite one that I've ever heard you talk about is, is the duck walk story. Can you, can you tell us about the uh, duck walking around the, the shoots and, and what your dad said to the coach? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as, as, as an offense lineman at, at Pitt state, you kind of were, it was just known that you were going to, you were going to work a little bit harder, you know, than everybody else. And, and coach chronic, demanded a lot from you. And of course you're the biggest guys and you're out there half an hour early and you're late and, you know, all that stuff. And I remember one time we were, we were at the shoots or whatever, and we weren't having a good practice. And, and I think we were duck walking around the shoots and, you know, of course, big man they call him he comes over and kind of you know some asking in, in maybe not nice way what how that's going to help win a game on Saturday and <laughs> you know, coach, coach coach didn't really have an answer so you know thankful for us that that was the uh last time that we ever had to duck walk around the shoot <laughs> that's so funny to me and it just makes it almost makes too much sense. Uh, that was, those are some of the best ones about your dad is just, and, and then about you, you, you know, you're, you're the same way. It's just like, that makes no sense for what we're trying to get out of this. Even like we've talked about, you know, you guys did a lot of just wear you out drills almost seems like when you were in college that you're, you know, you look back at now and you say, well, why are we doing that? We could have been using our time to be doing something better. You know, those are the stories that I enjoy hearing about your dad as well, because, um, you know, you, you kind of act the same way. Yeah, that's right. You know, 
our job is to you know ultimately produce so let's let's do things that are gonna help us get the end result not not extra stuff because you know uh you got upset as a coach or you know you don't like a kid you know any of that stuff you just gotta gotta do what you need to do to win games coach bros you're uh your dad had quite the uh, the list of guys that actually worked underneath him. Can you talk about some of those guys and maybe some of the stories you remember from some of them too? Because I mean, Pitt State was churning out some some big name coaches during those years. Yeah, I remember. I think you know, and of course, my dad. Now, now that I'm older and a, a, a productive member of society, we we <laughs> talk a lot more. Not like when you're a, a college kid and, and still living under the roof, but uh, yeah, when I was little, you know, there at Pitt State in the early '90s, the late '80s, you know, you had Jerry Kill, who was, you know, came from Web City, or or and you know was a successful high school coach, and of course he was he was the offensive coordinator for the Gorillas uh, when they won the national championship and you know, he went on and, you know, I guess it all started with coach Franchoni, you know, Dennis Franchoni. He, we moved Pittsburgh because of him. Uh, he hired dad to be the defense coordinator. And I think he left for Southwest Texas state, which I think is now just Texas state. But so coach Fran was there at one time and, uh, Jerry Kill was the offense coordinator. You know, he ended up being the head coach in Minnesota and several other places. And even Gary Patterson, who the the, the head coach at TCU. So, you know, those are under Coach Fran's coaching tree, and I guess my dad's, and and of course even in the NBA, uh, everybody wanted a, a a Pitt State guy. You know, for a while I think uh, right now at uh, Tahlequah. I think there was a, you know, Pitt State guy, or he was a grad assistant there at Pitt State. Um, Coach Brown at Fort Hay State, Coach Sherg at uh, Washburn, you know, all those guys either played for Dad or or coached with him. So it it, it is, you know, uh, just to be able to to hear Dad tell stories about some of those guys and and. and it's pretty cool, you know. Um, some very successful people came from Pitt State and, and co- in the coaching world. Uh, your dad had obviously a lot of chances where he could have moved on from Pitt State. He could have went and, uh, I believe, been a defensive coordinator at, at some bigger schools, obviously, and, and probably even a head coach at a couple of bigger schools, I would assume. Uh, did, has he ever talked to you about, you know, what kind of – caused him to stay at Pitt State because that's something that to me is really intriguing and something that um, you don't see a whole lot out of uh, in the coaching community. You see a lot of guys jumping around from place to place and very seldom do you find a guy that, you know, is happy with where he is and doesn't get enticed by that bigger and better job, but just decides to go ahead and and stick with where he's at and build a a dynasty. Right. And, you know, one thing – I don't know how many times we heard it. Uh, who was who was the guy at Tulsa that he took his dream job like three three years in a row or three times? Todd Todd Graham. 
There you go. So yeah, dream job. But you know, we joke, but that was Pittsburgh State was uh my dad's dream job, I think. You know, he grew up grew up in a small town outside of Pittsburgh and in he wanted to be a gorilla. He got to play there, you know, GA there and he got to come back and, and, and be a gorilla and be the head gorilla. So that really was his dream job. You know, some people say it, but I, I, he really did live it. Um, you know, and, and when coach Franchoni left, I, obviously I think that he was, he just got hired on and, uh, you know, he was asked to go and, and I think that maybe my mom had something to do with us not going with <laughs> coach Franchoni. So, um, <laughs> That'd be probably a good story for dad to tell, but I think I think we lived maybe a couple blocks from school and dad had stayed several nights at the office. So um she was looking forward to to maybe him being uh being in charge and not having to sleep at the office. So <laughs> <laughs> that that I think that was his first opportunity to leave and, and of course he's had um other opportunities but but that really was and that's what you know that's what made it so unique i guess that he wanted to be a gorilla and he got to be a gorilla so that was pretty cool i'm kind of curious because because i didn't you know obviously play for my dad uh, my parents were were separated and so i stayed in broken arrow he was a different school but what was it like uh you know playing for your dad maybe not even necessarily <laughs> Chuck Broyles, but just playing for your dad. It was, uh, you know, it was, I mean, it was great, obviously, you know, but uh, interesting at times. Sometimes you're kind of the, kind of the, the go-between between, you know, uh, you had to kind of figure out what he was asking, you know, well, or the, you know, it being two days or three days back then, and it's kind of, well, what's the spirit like? Is everybody tired? You know, you're kind of going what do I say? Do I say I'm tired? <laughs> you know, he's thinking about giving us the afternoon off. Am I going to say I'm tired or am I going to say, no, I'm not tired, you know, and I, you kind of weigh that and you just, sometimes the truth works out for you. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, <laughs> one day you may say, yeah, I, you know, I think we could use a, a an afternoon off and then it's, well, maybe we're not in good enough shape. So we didn't get the <laughs> <laughs> you know, or or other times it goes the other way for you. You know what? You're right. So, so um, you know, and I didn't. It, he didn't really, you know, coach me directly, just because he wasn't my position coach. But you know, we used to. I think he treated me just like every other player. Besides those instances, on we used to do a thing um, on Mondays. We called it a ten minute run. It, it was never a 10 minute run. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was 110 yards, you know, you'd run or a hundred yards and you'd have a, a sprint zone in between. And, uh, we call it a 10 minute run, but it, it, I think it early, the earliest we ever got called was probably 18 minutes. You know, everybody had their watch on <laughs> and he, he, that was Monday, you know, of course at Pittsburgh state on the weekends, you usually celebrate a win. And he'd be asking, you know, Shark, you're looking kind of tired today. You know, same type of thing. 
<laughs> and you're thinking, yeah, I'm tired, but you don't know what to say. <laughs> you just say, no, nah, I'm good. And then you, some days he calls the run. Some days he adds time to it. So <laughs> I guess that was a unique situation. But, um, you know, just like any head coach in college, there, there'd be days that my buddies and I'd be walking through the weed, which is, you know, where our locker rooms were. And he'd be, you know, one of your friends like, hey, your dad didn't even say anything to you. And I'm like, well, he didn't say anything into you either, you know. So, <laughs> so we're also just players. And um, so it was, it was always it, – it was fun. But, but you know, treated me like any other guy except for – in the end, I wasn't right. I guess you know I'm his son, so right. I got to, to to have those other conversations with him. I know when when I you know I had the chance to play in high school, and my, my dad was coaching. He'd always go to the other side of the ball. I mean, he he could coach both sides of the ball like you, Shark. So when I came through, I was an offensive guy. He coached defense, and then when my brother came through, you know he went to the other side because my brother was a defensive player, so he coached offense, and he just never wanted to have to deal with you know, any other parents or something like that saying something like, oh, you're only playing because, sure. you know, your your son's your son's on the squad or whatever. But I guess, you know, he was kind of lucky because we were both, you know, pretty good players, could play in college. But, I mean, I, I always thought it was really cool to be able to, to play for your dad. You know, I, I just thought oh, that yeah. it was always kind of the, the, the same kind of bond, just like you said, you know, you, you were always around it. You wanted to, to grow up with it and, and be around that coaching aspect to me. Like you said, it just – it just always made a, a little bit more special relationship with your dad. Yes, that's that's, that's exactly right. I know uh, you're talking about another something funny that popped in my head. You're talking about parents complaining, you know, could be, well, your dad's a coach. I remember that that backfired me one time. We were uh, at North Dakota, you know, all the – all the nice North Dakota fans and <laughs> and I remember some some girl who they're of course they're sitting right on top of her. She's yelling at me. The only reason I'm in the game is because my dad's the coach. And I thought, man, coming from some twenty year old college student, that was pretty good. <laughs> so that, that was funny. It it kind of seems like coaches are on one side or the other, whether they are really excited to to coach their their boys one day or if they're kind of not looking forward to it and like Brady said would kind of rather be on the other side of the ball when their boys come up you know I think I'm kind of on the side where I'm excited for my boy Jack to get up and coach him because I think I can coach him um, you know pretty hard and well and, and make him into the best player he can be but um, what kind of the what kind of side of the coin are you on uh, Shark that's kind of interesting because you did play for your dad and you got three boys coming up I was assuming that um, you know, I know that you want to play football or would like for them to like to play football. So kind of what, what side of the corner are you on with that? Well, that's, you know, it's an interesting thing to think about because I've heard, you know, coaches say, you know, coach your players like their own son. And I'm getting a thing, you know, and and I've been lucky to be a dad for Bodie's five. So I think that I'm I'm harder on him than I would be on someone else's kid. You know, I'm not sure if that's, that's the way to do it, but but I would enjoy coaching him, you know. Um, right now, we've got, in all our sports, uh, we've got good friends that, that they're on the team with. So, again, I, I, I do enjoy watching someone else coach him, 
because I, I like to see, um, you know, how he takes coaching from somebody else. But, you know, if I, if, if I am fortunate to coach him and, and he's playing the position that, that I coach, then, you know, I, I would definitely it. Well, that's just because, that's just because one of his coaches is Coach Hobbs. And and Hobbs is the is, right. the is the coolest uh, coolest guy <laughs> in the world. That's exactly right, dude. How how awesome is Coach Hobbs, man? He he was a fun dude to have in the office. I'm not gonna lie. Yes, he is, and he he's awesome. With he's been our coach for like three years, and in in soccer and baseball. So Bodie's got pretty cool guy to look up to. Well, that's what I think we coach Dixon backdoored uh, Hobbs as the receivers coach, and I think of all the stuff we've made fun of Dixon, uh, I think that's probably the the one thing that he he couldn't refute that he just was nowhere close to as good looking or as cool as Hobbs was ever could ever be. <laughs> well, yeah, I, remember, I I can remember getting on him one day about you know not just taking over his coaching position, but I'm sure all the all the assistant teachers uh, at school were were disappointed to see Hobbs leave too. <laughs> There's there is no doubt about that, especially like those those new teacher orientations. I mean, we'd we'd like create new places for the uh, the female teachers to sit. I believe when Hobbs was with you, they don't want anything to do with us. They they just wanted to talk to Hobbs. Last last couple things, Coach Broyles, and we'll, and we'll leave you alone. But um, Mike, I'm kind of curious. How did you go? You know, obviously, you're a really open-minded guy um, just by being around you and, and some of the things we've changed and tweaked and um, done on, on our offensive line at Broken Arrow. But how was it when you were first – you first came out of Pitt State, you guys were two-back veer, you were point your toes in, all your weight on your hands, I would assume, and, and you know, blocking in a certain way. And then eventually you go to Vegas and, and you know, from what I know, you guys were a little bit of spread and zone team and, and kind of changed your – almost your whole philosophy, I would think, coming from Pitt State. How was it changing, um, you know, almost completely what you do on offense? Was that tough for you to change over, or were you just, hey, this is what we're doing, I'm full-fledged full, full fledged into it, let's roll? You know, it, 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 was, it was tough um, because, you know, when you live in Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh High School, of course, everybody wants to be like the gorillas, so that – that's the same coaching I got in high school that I got in college. You know, this is the stance, toes in, heels out, you know, a uh, bunch of weight forward. And, and of course, being a, a young coach out of college, it's what I knew and what I was comfortable with. So it was all the same. Um, and, and you just kind of got to figure it out, you know, watching film and going, well, I bet we'd be better if we had a little less weight forward, you know, and, and I, kids weren't comfortable in the stance, you know, it, it, it really started to hurt your knees or your hips. So just to be able to, to be smart enough and, and open enough to, to figure out a, a better way to do it. And, you know, that was, it was a tough transition at first, but I kept a lot of the same stuff and, and then just kind of, um, made some adjustments and, and, you know, of course, different players needed different stances. I, I've had guys, biggest kid, you know, like 6'4", 340 pounds. Well, 
his stand's going to look a little different than the 180-pound guard. So, so just trying to learn and adjust um, was hard at first, but but luckily enough, I was around good enough coaches and 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 figured it out. And so we just kind of got it going that way. Um, and then we got a new head coach that was a an eye formation. So then we got to turn our toes back in and we got to near step our combos and get real vertical. And uh, so I've done it both ways. And, and, and now being here and, and, you know, working with another guy because never had the luxury of having another offensive line coach to work with. So it was just what you knew. And, and so being here and, and, you know, working with you, uh, there's, there's better ways to do it. Right. So, so figure out the best way and, and get it done. Right, and like you said, we get we get the luxury to bounce it off each other, bounce it off of uh, a ten year NFL veteran as our head coach. We can we can bounce it off. Uh, we can call up walls, bounce it off him. So we kind of have that luxury to be able to talk to a, a lot of really knowledgeable guys and figure out what's going to benefit us the most. My last couple things was uh, the other big thing, and it's a little bit away from football, but you made two really big leaps um, as a coach going from, obviously, from uh, Pittsburgh, Kansas, all the way out to Vegas. And then uh, you coached there for a while. Then you made the big jump from Vegas all the way back uh, over to Oklahoma. Uh, what was it like when you finally – when you got – you and your wife, you made that decision, you guys you guys packed everything up and, and moved hours of, uh, you know, almost – I don't know how long the drive is, but um, I'm sure far enough uh, away from your home and your family and – and decided that's what that's what you were going to do. What was it like to to finally make that decision uh, with your wife to pack up and move twice? Uh, big moves. Well, the uh, the first decision was a lot easier. You know, you're no kids, and you're in your early twenties, and 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 you got an opportunity to go live in Vegas, and you're thinking, heck yeah, man, I'm I'm going. We're going. <laughs> so so you go out there and and being young in Las Vegas is, you know, you can have a good time and, and, um, you know, so that was the easy part, but the, but the thing about Las Vegas and being that far away from, from your family is that, you know, whoever's out there is in the same boat as you are. Most of the people that you meet aren't from Las Vegas and they're, far enough away that that those people become you know your family for easter you're not going to your mom and dad's house you're just going to you know your vegas family's house so so after 10 years out there the 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 move back was was much tougher but um you know when you we we had young kids young boys and it it was time to to get back um you know, closer to family, you know, what, what's best for the family. So, so we just, and I think that, uh, kind of, it happened all so fast that it made it, made it an easier decision than, than, you know, trying to have some two year plan or something to get back to the Midwest. You know, I, uh, Mike Rose, how it happens. Uh, Mike Rose is one of my good friends. 
college roommate was the assistant athletic director at, at Union at the time. You know, we'd talk, and I'm one day I'm like, hey, you know, if you got any any jobs out there, any work, you know, let me know. I I think, you know, I think I'd like to be closer. He goes, okay, well, you know what? I know uh, my my buddy Steve Dunn at, at BA might have a job, so. So it all happened within days, and uh, so it, it that made it. I think that made it easier just knowing. And it was it was August, you know, late July, and um, of course Brooke will never let me live it down. But I just I got in my truck and and filled it up with clothes and and headed this way. And uh, <laughs> Her and you know our our Vegas family, all the assistant coaches had to pack the U-Haul up and drive it this way. So that's the way to do it. It, it depends who you ask, which which ease, which move was easier. I remember when that happened, well, I man. Was, I remember I remember Dave telling me he's like, "Hey, I've got a we got a guy coming in from Vegas," and you're kind of like, "All right, awesome, we got another coach," and literally, you know, you're always kind of worried. Hey, is he going to fit in or not? But Shark, I mean, you. Seriously, your, your personality and the way you coached, I mean, you, you fit in in that offensive room immediately. So, I mean, you made it easy, and you were a, an unbelievable addition to that staff. Made it super fun, man. Yeah, it was, that was, that was a, a, an awesome year for sure. Shark, I was going to say, you know, you've told me the story, and I've had a, I had a really awful job, but only for a couple months in Houston. Um, you had a, an odd job that you were working at one point in Vegas uh, out in the summer. What was that, and, and did, it, did it help you kind of um, realize how nice it was to, to get to be a teacher and a coach? Oh, yeah. I, uh, when we first moved out to Vegas, you know, it was, it was a summer, and, uh, you know, I didn't have a job just moving out there and, and at the time I, I had my teacher's license but not my Nevada one so you got to put in you got to fill out all the all the paperwork and it's a it's a six-month wait you know it's, it's one school district in Las Vegas I think there's like 12,000 teachers or something so it's a it's like a six-month wait to get your license and of course like like almost every job I've had it's my dad calls me and, you know, it, you got a job yet? And I'm going, you know, I've been out here a day, Dad. I'm <laughs> you know, it, it, hey, Coach Beck's best friend from high school lives out there. He's in charge of, he runs this service master. You need to, you know, get your butt down there and uh, introduce yourself. I'm going, okay. So go and introduce myself and, you know, next day I'm 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 wearing the yellow service master shirt and uh, working beside you know seven other guys that um, are uh, that we don't speak the same language. So it was it was a <laughs> and it was it was the hardest job you know that I've ever had. It's your house floods. We're coming no matter what time of the day it is and were pulling your carpet up and you know all kinds of stuff and and it definitely makes you appreciate to uh being a teacher and a coach you know i i know they say it's a dry heat but 
Vegas in June and July <laughs> working in a working in an apartment that just got struck by lightning wasn't much fun. So you know, my dad and I talk about it all the time about yeah, not so bad being a teacher and a coach, is it? You know? It's not. He always says that you know, when you're down there on the field coaching that everybody in the stands wants you know, wants to be you on, on that particular night. So coaching and teaching sure does beat working at Service Master in summer of Vegas. <laughs> no doubt. Well it's so hot, right? You said you can't you, the dogs can't go out in the concrete and, and you, you can't even no, grow grass, right? You guys had turf. We had turf, and if the windows, if the uh, sun hit the windows right, that it would, it would melt your turf. Jeez! Wow! It got uh, <laughs> got hot for sure. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Well, uh, we'll get you off here pretty quick, Shark. Uh, last thing, just kind of ask everybody, but um, you're watching an offensive line. You know, we we watch a lot of film. We watch a lot of film together. We're lucky enough to to have a. a couple desks next to each other and um you know if, if coach wilkinson gets his way we'll we'll knock down the middle desk and make one big giant desk two desks out of the three so um we got to make sure that happens but uh you know we watch a lot of film together when you're watching another offensive line what what would they be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach yeah well you know i've i've, I've listened to so you ask that question, and, and everybody's given given the you know good answers, and and I, I got me thinking about it, and and think, well, what leads to guys you know playing hard and finishing blocks, and you know doing all those good things, and I and I think that you know it's that they when they get to the line of scrimmage, they know what they're looking at. It, it you know they're able to communicate and and get on the same page you know and and once they're on the same page and there's you know they can be decisive and, and that's what helps them you know get off the ball hard and be able to play fast and you know the faster you're playing the faster you're getting off that ball you're going to get more finishing blocks and your effort's going to look better so so i'm thinking that all those things are 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 traits of a good coach off the line, but but you know being able to come up, communicate, be on the same page, and that's the stuff that I think is 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 important. Especially, you know, I think you do a great job of throwing ten different fronts in practice: junk fronts, fronts you'll see, fronts you think you'll see. So. So when those kids do get up there, they uh, it's not a surprise, you know. So I think that that's probably what I think of most. Do they know who they're targeted and, and are they playing, you know, able to play fast? Awesome. Well, uh, Shark, we really appreciate you being on, man. It, it was fun. Um, like I said, it – it seems like it's always a really quick hour. It was extremely short this time. Uh, you know, we were just, it was. just just hanging out, talking in the office just a few hours ago. But I, we, I was really excited to do this one because, uh, you know, I enjoy talking with you, and, and we have a blast every day at work. So, um, you know, I, I couldn't wait to get you on here and, and talk some ball with you here. 
Yeah, well, I I feel the same way, and I I appreciate you guys uh, asking me to be on the uh, podcast. Always a pleasure to have you, Shark Man. It's good to hear from you. Look forward to to catching up with you soon, man. That's gonna do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank our sponsors, Health IQ, Audible, and Team Attack Academy. Go get your free quote at healthiq.com slash runthepower. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy running the power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.